what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. Jamie Dodd, Sportsnet 650. <laughs> this show is so stupid. We spend they, we got a break in which we could do so many productive things. <laughs> you could prep for the next guest. You could go over some notes. We spent the entire time discussing how we think we should rebrand Jamie Dodd as yeah. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Dodd. Dodd. I'm considering becoming a Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy Dodd. It's Jimmy Dodd. Think of the possibilities. Yeah. The branding exercises, the potential revenue streams. You don't really notice it when you're in the tornado. Potential revenue streams. But when you stand back from the tornado, you just realize how dumb the show is. Like Jamie Dodd is just a radio host. Jimmy Dodd. Jimmy Dodd. He wears pinky rings. (laughs) All right. I feel like I need to wear sunglasses on the air if I was Jimmy Dodd. Gives an inordinate amount of gambling advice on the air, (laughs) Jimmy Dodd. Uh, Okay. We got a lot to get into in the final hour of the program. Uh, by the way, we're going to need to do a remix of the Thomas Drance intro where one of you softly utters regression into the into the. We need that in there. Oh, that's right? a good idea. Yeah, okay. Uh, Drance is going to join us in just a second here. Uh, you are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound. Real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. And we are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintec.net. To the phone lines we go. Thomas Drance, the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks talk right here on Sportsnet 650. He joins the program now. What up, Drancer? Mike, you uh, you take my co-host for... Three shows, and he comes back to Canucks talk with a novelty-sized lock, calling himself Jimmy Dodd. Yeah, Great. yeah, Love yeah. It. You can also have a novelty-sized shoe. It's your choice, really. But everything works for old Jimmy Dodd over here. Yeah, just got to commit to the bit. That's all. That's all there is to it. You know, most successful rebrands are cooked up over a three-minute commercial break. So I'm sure this one will go swimmingly. Anyway, Drancer, let's get to the business at hand, the topic at hand: the Vancouver Canucks. Are they the greatest team in the history of the National Hockey League? Go. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it sometimes, huh? And hey, you can't regress, or you can regress. And it won't hurt you if, uh, if you don't score five on five, right? I mean, if you score five on four, five on four, five on three, three on three, I mean, their, their five on five shooting percentage took a hit last night. <laughs> it didn't matter. Uh, Islanders gifted them way too many power plays mm-hmm. and their power play was cooking. Like right now with this group five on four, like you could feel it, you know, the Islanders take a penalty and it's like, okay, well, they'll get one here. Like you know, and that that well, you weren't always right, but you really expected it every time, every single time. And the five on three was like, the moment it happened, it felt like a no brainer. Well, and for me, it really felt like I mean, first of all, being down two nothing in the first, 
there was not a lot of doubt. I'm not saying I was like, oh, they're definitely going to win this game, but there was not a lot of doubt that they could make a game of it, right? And that's such a difference in years past. And then as soon as the five on three happened, it was basically like, oh, yeah, they're going to score. They're going to tie it up here, and then they're going to win the game somehow. And I know that might not be entirely rational, but it's just it's the exact opposite of last season at this t- around this time of year where it was, oh, hey, they're up to two goals going into the third. How are they going to lose it? Now it just seems like, <laughs> yeah, they've got all this talent They're Oh, you gave them a power play opportunity. That's the opening they need and they're going to find a way to win. Yeah, the, the other team always makes the bigger mistake right now, right? Like everyone else always blinks. This Canucks team hasn't at all. Um, it's been an, an impressive thing to see. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously we know that it's a long season. We know that, you know, things change, that it's not always going to feel like this, that there are going to be times where even, even if they have that aura to them, the comeback will fall short. But right now, um, you know, everything's, everything's going their way and, and they're performing well to earn that. It's, uh, it's a ton of fun. Carson Soucy announced out six to eight weeks, and we saw you know Mark Friedman and Noah Juleson both in the lineup last night. Now, Friedman was uh, was on the bench or, or in the room for a part of the game, so his minutes were low, partly because of that. Juleson's minutes were very low as well, so we really saw the coaching staff go with Hughes, Hronick, Cole, and Myers. How much of a challenge is it going to be for those six to eight weeks for Tockett and Foot to keep the team competitive and winning games at a high level while also managing the minutes and managing the workload on their top guys. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no doubt that they're going to have to lean heavily on their top defensemen, but they already had been right. Um, yeah. They're going to have to figure out some options as we go here. Right. If Friedman and Juleson, you know, if, if you're not playing them while chasing a game, right. Um, what does it look like when, when you're defending, a lead, right? Like when, when you're defending a narrow, narrow lead for a long stretch of game, um, you know, I, I'll be pretty surprised if six to eight weeks doesn't ultimately result in us seeing some Christian Willannon, right? That um, doesn't, I'd expect we'll see, you know, the, the Canucks effectively like um, turn the bag upside down and shake it to, <laughs> to make sure they check all their options. Cause it's a, it's a long stretch. Um, now, Susie was playing really well, but a team, you know, being without their fourth most used defenseman for a stretch of six to eight weeks, like that's, that's stuff that, that happens, right? Um, yet you have to find a way to win and you have to find a way to play well, uh, in his absence. And I mean, the way this team's playing defensively, the way they played yesterday defensively, especially at five on five, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not betting against them being able to still achieve pretty solid defensive results, even though I think Susie's absence will, will be felt over the duration. We're speaking to Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, any final thoughts on Boa Palooza now that the tour has come and left town? Just that there's a certain wisdom in crowds sometimes, right? Like, I, I thought the way that fans got on him a little bit when he had the puck but still brought the house down with a big applause and a big thank you during the TV timeout. I thought that was like kind of perfect, right? I mean, Bo took a shot. Fans, fans interpreted it as a shot at them. I think it was a shot at them. I don't think they were wrong to interpret it that way. And, you know, there were people that weren't happy about that. And I thought the way that it actually went down, fans got to show him that while still showing him the, the, 
like respect due to a player who'd had his sort of decade long tenure with the franchise. I just thought I thought Canucks fans got it right. And, um, you know, they often do. So it was nice. Like I actually liked the, I liked the mix. I thought it was, I thought it was the right way for it to go down. Uh, I'm reading on your timeline, a note passed along that uh, the mother of Jack, Luke and Quinn Hughes, Ellen Hughes, is going to be inducted into the International Jewish Sports Hall of Fame as a member of the 2024 class. And uh, I know that she was a fantastic athlete in her own right, but uh, the ability for her to fill out an American roster at whatever international tournament that will be terrifying to Canadians <laughs> is something. Um, is there? Are we running out of superlatives to throw at uh, the eldest Quinn right now because what he's done throughout the course of this season granted in a relatively small sample size has just been phenomenal it was on display again last night yeah I mean the the shot is what stands out to me so much like that shot to end the game right uh, that's that's that type of wrist shot that we saw there like technically technically that wasn't in his bag a year ago it just wasn't right and, and that's unbelievable right I mean me and Jamie did whole segments over the course of the summer. Like, how do you even get better if you're Quinn Hughes? You know, it's not something you can count on. Um, even, even though he's 25, right? Like you can't just expect him to become this kind of goal threat because it's not just the overtime finish. Like he had a couple of shots that Sorokin stopped. There was one, you know, you could tell he was like, Oh man, I thought I had that. Um, that was like a high difficulty save for the goalie. Like he's a goal threat now every time he's out there. And there's all sorts of stuff that's going to open up once that becomes apparent. Like once he's, oh, well, he's a 10-goal scorer, like there's different ways that defenders will react to him. And then he's going to be able to do all sorts of cool stuff off of that because he's an unbelievable player. Uh, you know, I know. Uh, Quinn Hughes leveling up to this extent over the course of the summer, you know, I, I think that's one of the like primary drivers in what we're seeing this Canucks team achieve, right? Like, you know, I, I certainly didn't see this coming. And as I think about like, okay, what, what, what's happened here? What's happened? Why have they been able to have this much success? Like the way that Quinn Hughes is playing for me is the one a reason why this team has sort of hit a new level. Trance, there's been a lot of trade talk, uh, trade chatter over the last few days here. You know, part of that is how well the Canucks are playing. Then with the Susie injury, the situation in Calgary with uh, with UFA defensemen potentially on the trade market. And mm. I do find it's it's an interesting situation here where I think we got so used to thinking about trades for the Canucks through the lens of, you know, moving out inefficient cap. Can they shuffle the deck? Do they have to, do they have to take back a problem contract just to get rid of another guy and change the mix a little bit? But, you know, as long as this run of form continues and not even at this level, but you know, if we're here in January and they're a top two team in the Pacific, like at some point, we're going to have to start thinking about, no, how do you improve this team in the here and now? And I'm not saying go out and trade your next three first-round picks or anything, but from your perspective, like, <laughs> what mode, when when the management is looking at, okay, what do we add to this roster? What do we want to do in this in this season? What are the priorities they should be balancing right now? Yeah, well, and at some point, if you're as hot, as the Canucks seem right now, right? And, you know, it feels like it'll never end. Like, in two months, if the Canucks are battling it out for the top spot in the Pacific, you know, there is there is a sense, there becomes a sense among a group of players 
you know, that like, Hey, get, get us some help. Everyone yeah. else is getting this help. And, and I do think that that's going to matter. There's an equilibrium, uh, an equilibrium you sort of have to manage there uh, just from a, from an overall team morale perspective that I actually do think matters, especially given the history um, for this group, you know, where, where like you have the bubble success and then you lose all your UFAs, right? Like I do think it'll matter for this management group to give a vote of confidence to these players. And then I, I do think there's, you know, it's going to be incumbent too on this team if they improve, improving in a way that's not, you know, the pure rental thing, right? Like, l- let me give you an example. Myers Beauvillier expiring, right? Um, you know, I, I still think, and, and Rutherford has shown us this, right? The team doesn't really take or hasn't really taken in his two deadlines, you know, your Tyler Mott, Luke Shen class past the deadline right? Without moving them for assets, not, not necessarily huge assets, but a second round pick here, a fourth round pick here. Um, they've been pretty disciplined about that. And I, I still think you should do that um, going into, you know, the, whenever we get into the true NHL silly season in, in February, when the trade seagulls come out, like I still think that should be part of what they're considering here, especially given that, you know, Beauvillier is playing a bottom six role and, um, you know, Myers ha- has been sort of on and off on the trade block, even though he's playing really well for this team right now. I, I still think the long term needs to govern what this club does. But obviously, as you get into um, this level of success, and if you can sustain this level of success for another month or two, you know, I, I do think buying becomes certainly like something you need to do at least a little bit. Um, for, for a variety of reasons, but one of them and a major one is, is just to show this group that, you know, yeah, you've earned this and, and the organization's finding. Uh, you know, I, I was scrolling through your timeline last night and you mentioned that, you know, that uh, game against the Islanders where you don't play perfectly, you spot them a two nothing lead, your penalty kill isn't successful. You come back and find a way to manufacture and get a win is important. Situational wins start to matter. So going into tonight's game in Calgary, uh, it's mm. going to be a tough one, no question. You're on the second of a back-to-back. You fly late after last night's game. You don't know the status of Kuzmenko. You don't know the status of Suter. Who knows what's going on with Friedman? This, I feel like, is another scenario, and you'll be playing your backup goalie, presumably, as well, where good teams find a way to get something out of that game. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, if you can get something out of this game, you're you're laughing. I mean, the Canucks are... Underdogs, road dogs on the money line, but but not by a lot, plus one twenty five. So um, you know, that that's I think a testament to what you just explained, right? There's a lot of reasons why you can lose this game, right? There's a lot of reasons why you should be expected to lose this game, and there's a lot of reasons why Vegas favors Calgary here, uh, including that Calgary's like played a little bit better the last five games, right? Like they've sort of stabilized things for a little bit here. Um, but man, it, you know, this Calgary team is so pop gun offensively, right? I, I, you know, I, I think if the Canucks can get four goals tonight, they, should, they you know, that's probably it. Like that's probably, that's probably what you need. So uh, it, uh, I, I find it hard, hard to imagine given the massive vibe differential between these two teams <laughs> that, um, you know, the, like not to minimize it. This is definitely a hard game, but it feels like the Canucks, are in a, are in a spot and have sort of shown enough that the road back to back set with a v- variety of injuries against 
a, a Flames team that certainly appears to be fragile based on, you know, the rhythms that we've seen them go through that are all too familiar to us on, on Canada's West Coast, right? Where it's like players only meeting, sharp commentary in the media. Like they've gone through that early season uh, rut or whatever, um, you know, <laughs> that we've covered for three years running until now. Um, you know, I still think this is a game the Canucks should win. Like, honestly, I think this is a game that the Canucks should be expected to win, uh, if not favored to win, uh, just based off of that and based on the fact that it's a divisional opponent. Like, the, these, these points are still going to matter, even if the lead that the Canucks have carved out over Calgary and then Seattle on Saturday, where it'll be, you know, similarly, right? Like a three and four, right? There's going to be, these are both tough games. There's going to be reasons to lose both of them, but... You know, if you're going to really like, if you're really going to keep eliminating hope from all other challengers in the Pacific, getting wins in these games, um, you know, matters. It's, it matters a lot. Yeah, it's surreal, Drancer. I was saying earlier in the show, obviously, the Canucks with the three leading scorers in the NHL at 26 points. Meanwhile, Nazem Kadri leads the Flames with nine points. So about a, as big an offensive discrepancy as you can imagine between yeah. these two teams right now. Hey, quickly, one of the other interesting pieces of news this week, Elias Patterson and the contract negotiations ongoing with the Vancouver Canucks. The first real positive news we've had in a while. How encouraged uh, should Canucks fans be by what we heard about those negotiations this week? Yeah, I think very. I think very because there's obviously a change there in that you know, the sides may never have stopped talking, but there was obviously a desire to wait and see on the player's side. I mean, he said it, right? And so the fact that there's this much feeling of positive momentum, you know, both in terms of what's publicly being reported and in terms of what people in hockey circles are, are talking about, um, you know, I, I think that's a, I think something must have changed. And I think that must have changed in Vancouver's favor here. So, you know, Canucks fans should definitely be encouraged. This is the single most important piece of business that was going to face the Canucks front office in the 2023 calendar year, like one way or another. Um, you know, leaving the year without it done, I think was, you know, not, I don't want to be as dramatic as like loom over their heads, but it was certainly something, you know, in the mind's eye, like in the rearview mirror that we were all checking every, every 10 seconds during our driver's test. Um, to sort of, you know, monitor because the logic of, you know, what they've done here, the logic of the short-term moves, the logic of trying to be good fast and, and having been good fast, at least to open the season, you know, required Pedersen to be locked in, requires it to be built around him. So, you know, if they're able to secure that, man, that's a, that's a game changer for this franchise. Drancer, thanks for doing this today, bud. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Tuesday. Or next thanks, boys. Thursday. Be well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Thomas Strands from the Athletic Vancouver. <laughs> Who cares? Like, ah, we'll do it at some point. We'll figure it out. The data starts with T. Actually, everything gets back to normal tomorrow because your uh, yes. three-day holiday where you get to wake up at an ungodly hour and work, um, that comes to an end tomorrow. I'm back solo, and then everything goes back to normal. You resume Canucks talk yes. with Thomas Strands, and then I assume Jason's going to come back from vacation. We've One talked, would think. We've talked sporadically while he's, he's been, it. while he's been in Mexico. But, and he's coming back to extremely cold temperatures. I know. You think I, he's going to be really tanned? I funny. think he's going to have one of those Hank Hill tans. 
You know, <laughs> Ref doesn't seem like a big sunbather to me. Not that I know him extremely well, but I don't know. I have a hard time picturing that. He'll have a he'll have a t-shirt tan. Maybe well, he look went, like I know what a JPEG yeah, is. Yeah, he might he might might have gone tarps off, but <laughs> I also think that he's very like conscious of the the damages that sun can do to a pasty exterior. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know, but he's back next week. I'm pretty sure we haven't talked a lot. <laughs> We've enjoyed the time away. It's a vacation for me too. Yeah, he's still I, tweeting. I say, <laughs> he's still he's still he's locked in, in on he's locked in on the on vacation, man. You know, some people have a hard time disconnecting entirely, right? And it, it also get in his defense, it gets muddled when it's your job. Right, like if you go completely silent during this very profoundly important and exciting week for the team that you cover for a living, it does come across as weird. I mean, I do it all the time. Yeah, but I'm sure his family loves it. Yeah, but I'm just kind of you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm you a, do a mid show. Like, time to yeah, go see yeah. some sights. It's like not now. Yeah, like you see what he was did. I mean, like we were in the middle of a conversation. I was looking up Canada's U17 results at the World Cup. Right, I was doing things that don't pertain to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, okay. Quick reset on the show here. We're going to do what we learns coming up. Who has one right now? A-Dog, do you have one as we tease us? He says no. Laddie, do you have one? He also says no. I have Jamie one. Jamie is the only one that I does any one. damn work around here. That's right. He brought some goods to the table, so he'll do a what we learned. I will do one on the other side as well. Speaking of the other side of the break, we are giving away tickets to see the Canucks for the last time this week. There is no ticket giveaway tomorrow. Do you understand, dear listeners? If you want tickets to see the Canucks and Sharks on Monday at Rogers Arena, we're giving away a pair. We're going to give them to the best what we learned. And I'll say this, the competition is fierce. There's a lot of texts already in. We have not chosen the winner yet, though. If you would like to get in on the action, one, hashtag it WWL. Two, tell us what you learned. Over the last 24 hours in sports. Three, send it to the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket at 650-650. And finally, four, put a ticket emoji into the text. You'll be entered into, it's a contest, not a draw. You have to provide some kind of worthy content to win the tickets. And then you will get to see this red-hot Canucks team take on the lowly San Jose Sharks, dare I call it, guaranteed win night at Rogers Arena. Get the lockout. Get the novelty lock. (laughs) Old Jimmy Dodd over here is calling it his shoe-in of the week. (laughs) Oh, laddie was going for the button. Lock of the week. Okay, so that's what we're doing in the final uh, half hour of the program. A reminder, get him in. What we learn is hashtag WWL. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. We'll kick it off with us doing our what we learns, and then we will turn it over to you, the humanoids, for your what we learns. We're getting out early, saving lots of time for the final half hour. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. What a fun day. Alfred Bruff. No, it's Jamie Dodd. 
Although, this is the last half hour of the Dodford experience. Is that what they coined it in the... Yeah, is that what the, yeah streets Dodford. Are, is that what the streets are calling it? Yeah. Dodford? I like yeah. that. We're renaming everything. Sounds it's like pretty some, good. Sounds like some like, British soap opera drama. It does. Or like Dodford like Park. Dodford like, Park. Or like yeah. a detective show. The Dodford yeah, Files. Sad detective show yeah, from, yeah. from England. Yeah. The Dodford Affair. <laughs> uh, we're renaming the show... And we also renamed Jamie Dodd. Yes. Jimmy Dodd. Who's now Jimmy Dodd. He's Jimmy Dodd, and the show is now called The Dodford Affair. <laughs> the Dodford Affair yeah. featuring Jimmy Dodd. Lots changed. Yeah. Ruff since you've been yeah, Ruff's gonna come back. What the Welcome hell back, Ruff. What is with all this branding change? Yeah, yeah you, you missed The Dodford Affair with Jimmy Dodd. There's going to be a crudely altered logo yeah. in the background. It's Why did you write crayon room? on the TV? Yeah. Uh, okay, let's focus here, shall we? We are in the final hour of the program. It is what we learn time. Final hour brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. The Dodford Show, or affair, uh, is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. It is what we learned time. I'll kick it off. I learned that Major League Baseball, just a short while ago, has officially rubber-stamped the move to send the Oakland Athletics to Las Vegas. Technically, it was the Major League Baseball owners who voted on Thursday. Uh, this will pave the way for a second relocation of a baseball team in the last half century. The other, of course, was when the Montreal Expos went to Washington. Everyone knew this was going to happen. But when the final nail is struck and the final vote is yeah. taken, there's always that sense of uh, so sad on a personal level. I've mentioned this on the air before is growing up as an unabashed Oakland A's fans, not just because of the Bash brothers. I did love their steroidic ways, but uh, Dave Stewart, Those Dave Henderson, <laughs> my dad looked like Dennis Eckersley back in the day. He had the, the mustache and the whole bit. It was uh, it was my favorite team growing up. Uh, I got to watch them once back when I was a kid. We went down in the old Oakland Alameda County Coliseum, and it sucks that this is happening because they have a very rich history. And John Fisher, did he make his money as he was a the Gap? It was the Gap, right? He's an heir to the Gap, the, the store, not an actual physical. Gap. No, yes, yes, okay. Um, just ran the team into the ground and going to Vegas of all places. Like I, don't know. I mean, Vegas has a come up recently in being a full fledged bona fide sports mm-hmm. city. So I, I hope harbor no ill will for them. If you got to get a baseball team, you got to get a baseball team. You do it however possible. Well, they got to get the stadium. And just remember the Jays had their triple A team there for a while. Yeah. Attendance wasn't great. Well, like, it's triple A. This was though. recent. I, mean, I know MLB is different, but who's like, Ruff always says, you go to the strip, you're going to go to a baseball game. That yeah. Day. Like, but also, like I mean, the, the other thing is the heat. Yeah. And, I, and the proposals I saw for the stadium, I don't think it was covered, no. right? Which in Arizona it is, in Texas the new one they built is, so you can actually air condition it and play in those conditions in the summer. Like, that's a real issue. I know that a lot of people are looking at this as kind of trying to paint Vegas as the villain and all this. I actually don't see it that way. To me, this is about destroying a city with a super rich history, mm-hmm. multiple titles, multiple Hall of Famers, a baseball city through and through, and furthering the diminishment of Oakland, a place that I really, like, I've been to on numerous occasions in the Bay Area. Well, the used to be the farm team for the... I, yeah, I really enjoy the Bay Area. Oakland's great. Like, it's obviously a city that's very eclectic, and it's undergone a lot of change in the last little bit, and to see all these teams, it, the A's just felt different i know the raiders did but the raiders had moved prior like they yeah. had a taste of the raiders leaving it but is it the is a's surreal were the, the a's were there 
They were part yeah. of that community, that whole uh, identity of what Oakland was about. And we saw it when they had that reverse boycott, and yeah. they had all those fans in the building for the one game, just to show that they, they're still there. They just don't they just like don't, the ownership. Yeah. They don't like the direction. That's why they're not going to games. And I think it was over 25,000 fans in attendance for that. But yeah, they lost the Raiders to Vegas, and then now they've lost the A's to Vegas. And even the, the Warriors moved... Out of they're yeah, still they're in the in Bay Francisco Area, but now. they moved to San Francisco, so it was a tough blow. Your point about being super into the A's, I was slightly young for this, but I remember like the older kids in my elementary school, just so much Oakland A's gear. Yeah, they was- were inc- they were like a legitimately super popular team, not just in Oakland, among baseball fans everywhere. When you were younger, for the for the kids out there listening right now, and apparently we have youthful uh, audiences as young as eight years old. We'll get to that in a minute, but um, back in the day, you could get a pen and paper and write sports franchises and stick it in the mail. And you could just be like, I am 12. I like your team. Please send me stuff. I did that with the Oakland A's when I was eight or nine. And they sent me back a signed Mike Gallego picture. <laughs> I did that. Whatever eight or nine year old boy is craving. <laughs> They're like, oh, maybe I'll get something with Kaseko or Maguire or this little used utility infielder. It was, but it made me love the Oakland A's. Can I get a hat or anything? No, no. here's a signed Signed headshot of Mike Gallego. It was great. Anyway, moo cow that. I feel bad about the A's. I did that. I sent it to like every NHL team when I was 10 or 11. And I got, I got a few things. I got a signed Johan Holmquist. Remember him from Tampa Bay? I don't. He's a goalie for Tampa Bay for like two years. I bet you specifically asked for that. No, I didn't actually. (laughs) Is that your goalie origin story? (laughs) Yeah, guess I'm into this guy now. He's putting but it on the face. I think they still, <laughs> teams probably still respond if you write them. Oh, I'm sure they yeah. do. My brother went big game hunting. He wrote the Orlando Magic in the second year that Shaquille O'Neal was there, and they sent him back some Shaq paraphernalia. Wow. Oh. I, I should have been more specific about what I wanted, although I can't imagine anyone that was working in PR was like, this kid <laughs> from Vancouver wants a Mike Gallego headshot. <laughs> Anyway. If they had done something different, who knows? Their whole the whole uh, outcome of the organization could have been different. You could have fixed this. <laughs> the A's were the random team with like that people were super into their gear, and the Charlotte Hornets also. That was a little bit after, right when like Larry Johnson was there, but yep. tons of Charlotte uh, Hornets. Gear. I had a all teal Charlotte Hornets starter jacket. Teal was very go. in, yeah. In that area. I think I got jumped for it at Lowheed Mall. <laughs> Anyway, anyways, do your moving on to your what we learned. Uh, mine is also baseball related. This is uh, a, a tidbit from uh, MLB insider Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic, who writes that at least one rival executive views the Blue Jays as a sleeper for Shohei Otani, who is, of course, a free agent right now. Now, this is a little bit like uh, the reaction we had to Adam Silver kind of casually mentioning Vancouver. As he a, said it! Yeah, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, he said the Blue Jays. Like, this is not even Rosenthal reporting there's interest yeah, yeah. or that Otani would be interested. This is just a rival executive's view, and part of the reasoning is, hey, probably a couple of years ago, the Jays thought they were going to have to commit a ton of money to Vlad Guerrero, that might be on hold. So that do they ha- do they have more money in the budget? But uh, anyways, I'm, as a a Blue Jays fan, but also a Rogers employee, I'm one thrilled at the prospect, but also terrified at what the budgetary implications might be if they have to yeah, <laughs> pay right. Shohei Otani all that money. Jimmy Dodd's new contract. Like, oh, yeah. the good news is we got Shohei Otani. <laughs> yeah. The bad news is we had to sell yeah, your radio fired. station Sorry. to pay for him. Yeah. <laughs> that Rosenthal article, he he wrote some funny stuff. There was something about how. Otani would prefer to play on the West Coast 
because the West Coast has more reliable conditions, and yeah. he doesn't like being thrown out of his. He doesn't schedule. like having like rain delays. I guess it's so weird. And the Jays play in a oh, dome anyway, yeah. so that, like it's like why would you put that in there? But so it's a lot of intrigue going around. The the narrative, in case you're wondering what the baseball narrative is going to be for the next, I'd say few months. Uh, it is power ranking the list of potential suitors like it's the Bachelorette for uh, Shohei Otani. So Yahoo has one up right now. So he's the real golden bachelor. That's right. Uh, now, right now, it's the Dodgers number one, the Rangers number two, the Cubs number three, the San Francisco Giants number four, uh, the Atlanta Braves five. You'll notice I'm going way down the list before I get to Toronto. Yes. Maybe, maybe that's why Toronto is in the sleeper category. Uh -huh. Number six is the Yankees. Seven is the Red Sox. So he's listing every team. <laughs> Eight. The Blue Jays. Woo! Top oh, eight, no. baby! Yeah, the, I, the Blue Jays, do they even get a rose at the ceremony at this point, or do they just get sent home? Do right? they I've get always, a meeting? I always wish my favorite baseball team would finish in the top eight for a free agent's uh, <laughs> potential, potential landing yeah. spot. So he's yeah. just out on the Angels? Like, it's not even a consideration? Because there was a lot of talk. Well, yeah, but there was a lot of talk. Like, hey, he like he doesn't mind it there. Maybe he'll just stay. I'm sure he that's likes the done. city. <laughs> okay, so he declined his QO, but that was largely that's perfunctory. Just, yeah. yeah, that had nothing. That's no indicator of I'm not staying it just here. Means I want just, more money. Right. Um, and, you know, I guess because there was that understanding that when Artie Moreno pulled back on the sale, yeah. he was like, no, I think I can pull turn this thing around. You know, And I guess part of that solution was we've got Otani. Why don't we just keep Otani? I don't know how soured he is on the process with the Angels as to whether or not he'd want to stick around. But, I mean, here's the thing. When you have this potential free agency tour, I've seen it, especially in hockey, where guys' minds get changed because they realize how valued and how loved they are. I mean, they're gonna. Mm. I mean, there is rolling out the red carpet, but then there's what like Otani's gonna get. It's gonna be yeah. way more than. I remember the John Tavares sweepstakes. Remember Tavares thought I'll just probably end up going back yep. to Long Island until he saw the love, especially from Toronto, right? And that's when it all changes for these guys. So Mukau Otani. And the Blue Jays coming in at number eight on the Suter Power Rankings. Let's go. <laughs> uh, let's fire up the dot matrix. Sent out some humanoid submissions for what we learned. We're going to announce the winner. Final giveaways for tickets today as well. Uh, what we learned, Humanoid Edition, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. A-Dog, it's time for you to shine. You're going to announce the winner, and then you're going to do a bit afterwards wow. as well. A bit? I am? A bit? Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, what <laughs> we learned. <laughs> I learned that my son's eight-year-old best friend listens to your show. Oh, cool. My son's eight-year-old best friend listens to your show. He was singing It's What We Learned Time while playing Minecraft. Okay. Now, I asked if his dad listened, and he said, nope, only he does. He then proceeded to do the fire plan bit. I'm not sure how to feel about this development and what it says about me and your show, Ticket Emoji, Jordan from Coquitlam. So congrats, Jordan. You're going to the game. I am a tad concerned that there is an unsupervised eight-year-old <laughs> listening to our show. Arbitrarily show. tuning into Sports Talk yeah. Radio. Even crazier if he's, he's like, no, I just downloaded the podcast. <laughs> I catch up. You yeah, know, I, I, listen, I, I listen to it at lunch. Scrub through it. See yeah, what I did. That rough right. had a real zinger today. Yeah, yeah, the kid's listening to it on one and a half speed so he can get through it faster. He's like, got what? like the Lenny meme going on. He's like listening like in yeah. I do know it makes a very salient. Point. I do know that we have several young listeners that most of the time 
or have the content foisted upon them by yes. their parents, right? Or grandparents or whatever. Uh, I do know we have one particular listener who actually tells his grandpa that he wants to listen to the show. And the grandpa's like, those guys, fine, whatever. <laughs> it's not that objectionable. Uh, it does make me wonder about our content from time to time, but we push forward with our questionable content. Uh, because you know what? It's better those kids learn it now. <laughs> yeah, we're doing, them, we're doing them a sure. favor. Yeah. I, I love in that text of it, the, the guy asked the dad. He was like, oh, do you listen to that? I was like, oh, no, I would never. Yeah, <laughs> I like, oh, God, no. Wouldn't catch me listening it's to that. It's better to have these awkward conversations in the car when you don't have to make eye contact with your child. <laughs> you right. can just true. explain That's to right. them what That's we're talking true. about. That's true. When your child asks you, what's a horny goat weed? And you're like, well, let's just go to school. <laughs> and Goodbye. You, you can learn about it there. <laughs> ask the, the car still doing. Bye-bye. Uh, so that's Jordan, the yeah. winner. Congratulations, yeah. Jordan. If you're um, referring to the bit, is this the second, like the runner-up that we yeah. Yeah. picked? Yeah, yeah. yeah. we practiced this at the break. Yeah. Yeah. As so we confused by do. the quote-unquote practice. <laughs> I've never. Where you been, say something and I'm not listening. I've never been involved <laughs> in anything where we spend so much time practicing, and then when it comes time to execution, it falls so flat. Have you played hockey with me? <laughs> time and time and time again. <laughs> but it's it's the it's the childlike wonder when I it's like I've sprung this on you. You're yeah. like, yeah. what are we doing? The blank yeah. look on hey dog's oh. face. You're like. I'm doing a bit yeah so in light of that <laughs> take okay, it yeah, away yeah, this dog. one almost won but, but it was mostly because it was making fun of Halford and I have a soft spot for that uh, what we learned I learned that if Elmo were hosting today's show the word of the day would be wagon, wagon. <laughs> so apparently <laughs> one more time wagon. unbeknownst to me I said wagon a lot maybe double digits in the yep. first uh, first half hour of the show use the word quite a bit uh, Bruff has pointed this out before that sometimes I get hung up on words and then I use them over yeah. and over. Well, everyone and over. does. That happens to everyone, though. Yeah. Does it? Okay. Yeah. I feel marginally better about myself. Yeah, At least the people on the radio, you have like crutch words that you go to of it or just when you can't think anything else yeah. to uh, say. Especially like, play guess, by play. Guess when I'll just you, say this again. Yeah, play yeah. by play when you need to fill that yeah. airtime and you got to say something. It's it's a it's a real problem for like, when I was trying to describe the problem that I had and I'm like, I'm a word wagon <laughs> <laughs> not much of a word wagon today yeah. not a word smith but a wagon of words wagon. all right we got the point okay <laughs> yeah we're murdering the bit poor elmo he had wanted no part of this um i've got i'm gonna read a couple here and now normally i i wouldn't do this but i'm embracing my uh my jimmy dodd alter ego where here. are you going with it so man? marshall and east van texts in uh, what we learned what i learned over the last 24 hours and the rest of this week is that Jamie Dodd seems to be the ultimate co-host that can work with anyone, Halford or Bruff, and even Trance. This is, okay, this is an important part of the rebrand. Jamie Dodd. See, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't pat myself on the back by reading a text like that. He was selfless. There was no ego involved. Jimmy Dodd is a blatant self-promoter. If you send a a compliment in, Jimmy Dodd will read it on air. Ah, Jimmy Dodd likes this text. (laughs) Jimmy, he's going to read it. Jamie Dodd would not... refer to yourself in the third person. That's right. Jamie Dodd would not exclusively refer to himself in the third person. Jimmy Dodd? Oh, Jimmy Dodd. He'll do that. that. He will absolutely do that. like the Seinfeld guy. So thank you, Marshall. Jimmy Dodd appreciates it. So we're rebranding stuff, right? Jimmy Dodd, the... With Dodford affair, the, the Dodford the affair of the show. Yep. Uh, Ken from Richmond, hashtag WW What we learned: Brock the Brocket Besser will win the Rocket Richard Trophy. The Isles can have Brocktober. We got the Brocket. I was thinking about the Brocket Richard Trophy when we were pointing out that Brock Besser is now tied for the NHL's goal lead with Austin Matthews and Kyle Connor. Right. Also, when is the last time that the the Rocket Richard was being contested by three guys, all of whom play for Canadian teams? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's it's been an interesting start. I know that the Canucks are statistically dominant everywhere, but that goal, like Kyle Connor, 
has had a fantastic start to the season for the Jets. We've talked about it for about nine seconds. Mm-hmm. I haven't even mentioned Matthews. And part of it with Matthews is it's old hat for him now. Like, it's not breaking news. That it's it's so funny to talk about the Canadian teams and stuff being in the top. Those are all American players. Yeah, Every I single know. one of them. <laughs> Even Connor. Well, when I alluded earlier to uh, Quinn Hughes' mother giving birth to, like, three-thirteenths of the greatest American hockey roster ever, like, they are loaded when you look at that international competition, the States is loaded. You're loaded with brothers. You got the Hughes brothers. You got the Kachuk brothers. Like, they're going to be deadly. JT there. Miller's still going to be around. The right? highest. Does he, have, does he have a sibling? Probably. The highest scoring Canadian right now in the NHL is Sam Reinhart. Well, he's having a great season with 23 points. Yeah. Really? But, uh, yeah. What? Not he, who I would have picked. I know. No, I know, but he's having a good year. Well, I mean, like, McDavid will be there. Right. In the end. Um, but it's. It's a, it's a sea change, really, and the Amer- the Americans are terrifying right now. I do not care for it. I would be very concerned if there was a best on best like in February or or coming up in August or September this year. That would make me very nervous as a Canadian hockey fan. What the Americans can roll out with the level those guys are at, and then you add what they have in goal right now. I'm to be uh, honest, I, I don't might, like it. I might pick them to win. Yeah, I think that would be I mean, fair. I would. I, I think, think that would be very reasonable. I mean, the, obviously Canada's got the scoring, but. I think the Americans are just way more well-rounded. Uh, Chet in Burnaby with a what we learned. Hashtag WWL what we learned. I learned that I've been watching for Heronic's shot, much like how Homer was waiting for that Yakuza. Look at the little guy, Marge. He's going <laughs> to do something. Yeah, that's a good pull there. And that's true because that was Heronic's first goal as a Vancouver Canuck, despite the fact that he is the third leading scorer among all defensemen in the NHL. all assists. He's the inverse side. Yeah, he was waiting to do something. He's just standing there. And then, you, you know, know he's going to do something cool. As soon as Bruff went away. Did something cool. Did something cool. Yeah. 107.9 miles an hour on that slap shot yesterday. Now, I don't know where we're going to go with quote unquote records Mm -hmm. in the technology era because I feel like all we've really proven is that the previous technology wasn't very accurate or wasn't getting a good gauge. Like, I don't think they're making up 107 miles an hour. I did see, though, that. I don't know where that number comes from, but on the NHL Edge site where they have all the puck tracking data, they recorded it as like 100 miles an hour. So okay. A-Dog was bang on. A-Dog, the eye test never fails for A-Dog. Fails. And doesn't Char have like 108 or something tracked? That was is that in-game or that was that the competition? Oh, that was the, the All-Star yeah. game. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you got to think, like if the, the if stationary puck as opposed to a moving puck has to count for something, yeah. right? Game adrenaline also. Yeah. Pumps you up a little bit. And then, like, I don't know, like, are we talking about the moment that it left the stick? Like, I don't know where they pick when it up. When are we measuring right? it? They yeah. changed that in baseball. Peak it used speed. to be where it was when it was at the plate, but then they right. changed it to out of the hands. That's why you've seen such an uptick in baseball pitching. Right. Velocity now well. everyone throws 100 miles an hour in baseball. But they're also measuring it out of out the hands. Out of hand. the hands. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. a little different. Uh, Jay in OK Falls says, uh, what we learned, I love hearing the crowd react to Hughes making a deke move at the blue line to shake a defender. It reminds me of a crowd reaction to an ankle breaker, ankle 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 breaker, excuse me. Speaking of being a wordsmith in oh, basketball, Jimmy. Oh, classic oh, Jimmy classic right there. Jimmy. And I noticed that there was a couple, especially early, there was one where Hughes shook his man at the blue line and got a big, oh, from the crowd. Yeah. And more than just the reaction to Hughes specifically. And I think it was heightened because it was the Bo Horvat return game. That was a hot crowd last night at the Canucks. Like they were looking for those opportunities like a Hughes move at the blue line yeah. to really cheer on the team. And we've had a few people text in, you know, Doug and Pomo as well. Belief is returning to the Canucks fan base. Bigger crowds are showing up earlier every game night. You can feel the process of people starting to really get invested and really get back on board. And I think the energy of the crowd that we saw last night is part of it. The, you just more people 
people being interested, like the texts yeah. we're getting right yeah. now, giving away tickets is the, uh, just a massive number of them. You can feel yeah. that beginning to build here. Yeah, casual uh, fans getting way more engaged now, like because they're like, "Hey, this yeah. team might be for real." Uh, speaking of that, that bit with Hughes though and breaking guys' ankles, he was some, dancing guys all night. Someone needs to go and do like an and one mixtapeization of all of the times that he's done it because that was the the big thing with like the professor and and one right was it was he broke people down one-on-one and then everyone would be like oh he didn't necessarily have to do anything after breaking the guy down he just had to beat him off the dribble and make him look like a fool someone needs to fall down when they're trying to defend hughes when he does Mm. one of those shimmies dribble pardon me did he dribble did i say dribble yeah Yeah. basketball yeah okay Sorry, I just you just chimed in. You, yeah, you, you, just, you missed the whole preamble. I missed the whole preamble. <laughs> yeah, all right. Wait, we're talking about basketball. Yeah. Thanks for weighing in. Greg. Hold on a second. <laughs> but the I, I, I thought you got soccer and hockey mixed up. I said second. someone needs to do the mixtapeization, right. the and one style of all of Hughes's jukes at the line. But someone needs to fall down right. whilst trying to defend him because that really makes. I it. just I thought you talked about dribble instead of stick handle. I was just gonna no, make fun of you, no. I didn't. I didn't hear the switch over. Classic Greg. <laughs> Classic girl. That was by Jimmy Dunn. Uh, and Patterson, I don't know that we've we've really had. Jimmy'd that one up. Sorry. <laughs> hey, no, no. Jimmy is Jimmy's a professional, guys. Actually, don't don't put that on Jimmy. Um Patterson has that ability too to make guys look silly. We haven't seen it as much this year. It's been more on Hughes, but Patterson at his peak can really shake guys out of their skates as there's well. There's the one infamous one of Datsuk doing it to Logan Couture. He was in the corner, right? And oh, yeah. Couture, Couture, Couture fell down. He just yeah. So hard. Yeah. yeah. He just ate crap, and, then, and his stuff was all over the place. His famous move in the shootout was kind of an ankle breaker for goalies. Yeah, too. that's He'd true. Drag it and, but yeah. you don't see it as often. But with Hughes, but also it's because he's so diminutive. Mm. He's, he's got a shiftiness to him mm-hmm. that makes it a lot more difficult, right? Actually, when Pedersen does it, it's it's kind of funny because he's more elongated and it, and he does it slow, right? Because he doesn't play it like a breakneck speed. But yeah, they've got two guys that are going to be. Yeah, we should do it. We should make a mixtape. Mm. Do the kids still do that? I don't think so. <laughs> Is that what they call them? They're uh, called fan cams. Paul from Toronto says, what we learned, I learned we need to start doing our research on the LA Kings as it's November, and it seems destined that we'll meet them in the first round of the playoffs. Well, hey, the Canucks have got up to first place, right? <laughs> so they have taken themselves out of the 2-3 yeah, Canucks we gotta LA like, We got to start looking at the wild card. Got, yeah, exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. I think it would be St. Louis uh, if the playoffs started today. But I, I agree with Paul. I'm really curious to see how that matchup of LA goes. They don't play each other, though, until like the last day of February. It was just wild for to not to go that long to start the season without facing a divisional rival. Uh, Aaron in South Van, hashtag WWL, what we learned. Ethan Bear needs the Canucks more than the Canucks need Ethan Bear. You sure about that one? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Juleson, sure there's a couple of I will say, though, I don't know about they need him more or he needs them more, but there's so many good things about having a good start. One of them is if Ethan Bear wants a chance to showcase himself, set himself up for a bigger payday next summer, it's better to go to a good team, a good team, that, a team that's going to be playing in the playoffs. You're going to get those opportunities. So I don't know if all of a sudden the leverage is completely flipped, but they've definitely strengthened their hand, I think, when it comes to courting Ethan Bear. Uh, the Canucks are the best team in the Western Conference, as we all know now, if you look at the standings this morning. So Mark in Canada, a very specific geographic location there from Mark. This will be our final What We Learn as we say farewell. Hashtag WWL What We Learn. The Canucks have started the season 8-0. and against the Western Conference, and that is crazy. Mark, you're right. It is crazy. Uh, It's been a fun week so far. There's still one day left. 
his farewell now. Yep. Jimmy. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, man. It's been a lot of fun doing this with you. This, this will always be where Jimmy Dodd was born. That's true. We'll always have that. It's going to be on the placard behind us. <laughs> Halford and Bruff, birthplace. Of You've been listening Jimmy. to the Dodford Files. Uh, we got to get out of here for today, but I will be back tomorrow. A reminder, it's Ask Us Anything Friday. Start getting them in now. Hashtag AUA, and you can ask us literally anything. For now, though, we got to go. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jimmy Dodd. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.